HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca, home of New York's craft cider. I love New York. Plan your getaway at visitithaca.com. We've tried this once before, booking a guest the day before they open, that is. And the last time, well, we had a quiet line. Today, though, our guest has made the time to chat with us on how he, along with his partner, plan to open their doors tomorrow to their new concept housed in a 150-plus-year-old iron foundry outside Philadelphia. We're happy to welcome to the show Nicholas Elmi, former Top Chef winner and a James Beard finalist on the show today in light of what I am sure and we know is a very, very busy last minute schedule. Nick and his partner Fia will be opening Lark, a coastal Mediterranean restaurant housed atop Ironworks at Pincoid Landing officially tomorrow. So thank you for joining us. Um, and I know what is probably a very crazy day. Welcome. No, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Pleasure. So Tomorrow is the big day. Um, I hear from your communications team that it's been two years in the making. Yeah, ish. You know, ish. We, we started working on this project pre-pandemic. Um, obviously, things slowed down uh, through, especially the first part of the pandemic. pandemic. Um, you know, this used to be an old ironworks factory. Uh, they made all of the iron and steel for the city of Philadelphia, building bridges and stuff back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, and then it kind of fell into uh, disrepair and was actually ended up being a dump in like a garage for a really long time. Um, like a literal dump, like a garbage dump. Literally a dump, yeah. And uh. then, um, you know, our... Our partner here, uh, Donna Galvin, and her husband, Sean, uh, who opened uh, Penn Real Estate Group and Penn Renewable Energy here, um, they've been, they bought this area like about 20 years ago. And, you know, it's, you know, in restaurant world, it's so funny because we're so, we're in real time. We're thinking about today and the next day and maybe the next week where, you know, developers are thinking 10, 15, 20, 30 years, 30 years down the road. Um but yeah, they've, they've really just kind of wiped this place clean, uh, built a gym, built a hotel, built their offices. We put in a couple of restaurants. We're going to probably build a couple of event spaces and possibly another hotel within the next couple of years. It's really kind of taken off over the past uh, year and a half as we've, we've kind of settled in here. Tell us for, for um, listeners that are not familiar with the Philadelphia area, 
tell us about how um, where it is. I mean, I can see from a map that it's you know 15 minutes up from the city proper, but what's there? Who's going there? Is it local Philadelphians going out for a night out? Well, technically what's... speaking, we're about 200 yards from city proper. We're 200 yards away from City Line Ave, which is the uh, the outskirts of the Philadelphia, the border of Philadelphia. Philadelphia is one of the largest, I think it's the fourth largest city in the United States, landmass wise. Like you can drive up 95 for 25 minutes straight and still be in Philadelphia. Um, but yeah, we're right outside Philly on the, um, in, out in the main line. Uh, the main line is uh, kind of like a residential area just a little bit northwest of the city. Um, so, you know, good news is it only takes us about 20 minutes to get downtown and back, and it takes me about 25 minutes to get to my restaurant in South Philadelphia. Um, I don't know, the, the original idea of being out here was to just kind of develop a couple of spaces and especially with the cafe downstairs, uh, the landing kitchen, it was like, all right, we have this gigantic outdoor space. Let's try to turn it into a community area, um, with great food and, and great service. And, and we have, we, we have like, you know, 10,000 square feet of outdoor space. We built a couple of bocce courts. We have some cornhole, uh, we put in an ice cream shop, which is kind of fun. Uh, it serves ice cream and cocktails. Uh, and then upstairs on the seventh floor, which is our rooftop restaurant, Lark. Uh, we just want to, we wanted to give everybody a reason in the main line to not go to Center City. Uh, we have a beautiful restaurant with outstanding views, uh, you know, free parking. That's always nice. You know, you don't have to drive, <laughs> you don't have to drive into the city. Um, yeah, it's just a little bit more convenient. But we wanted to keep like that center city vibe going out here as well with the food, with the decor, with the drinks, uh, kind of all, all around. How did so how did you meet your like how did you meet your real estate developer partners? I feel like that this is like always it's like it's always you go from this small restaurant, then you meet a developer and now you have these two large projects. How can people help rep replicate that? How do you find partners like that? Um, <clears throat> honestly, it was <laughs> my wife's cousin's friend. Um, he, this gentleman named Stuart, her, who works for Donna. Uh, she owns a couple of other hotels, um, far outside of the city, like an hour and a half, two hours outside of the city. And he was managing for the hotels and he is friends with my wife's cousin. And he was like, oh, talking about the projects that he was working on. He was like, the woman that we're working with is opening another hotel. She wants to put in some F&B spaces. Do you know, know anybody that could help consult? And she was like, oh, my, my cousin just happens to be a chef. You should talk to him. And uh, he got in touch with me and came out here and looked at the space. And at first it was kind of like, hey, this is a dump. Like, this is like, <laughs> this is a literal dump. A this is literally a dump. <laughs> um but as I talked to Donna and saw her vision kind of through her eyes and what she was thinking about in Philadelphia, and I think a lot of cities, uh, you know, are, are notorious for underutilizing their waterfront spaces, Philadelphia specifically with the rivers and stuff. And her whole vision was to create a community center on the Schuylkill River in the mainline. And, and she's done just that. And uh, it's, it's quite beautiful down here. You feel like you're part of nature. Everything uh, that we've built is at the point of the Pencoy trails. So there's like seven hiking and biking trails that like kind of intersect right where we are right now. So on the weekends, that's awesome because it's all 
bikes and puppies and families just chilling outside, hanging out, relaxing, eating some fried chicken sandwiches, some avocado toast, playing some cornhole and just running around. It's, 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 it's pretty nice. So when you came into the space two years ago with Donna, it was still an, an abandoned foundry or it was already no it was just a shell down. so we okay. actually um they actually kept their original framing from the old factory up um and just brought it down to the iron studs and then built a hotel right in the center of it so it's kind of if you can if you can visualize that um, tell us a little bit about I'm, I'm curious you know there's probably a, a big difference in design and you know concept um being established when you do your own 22 seat restaurant versus working with a developer what kind of input were you able to have you know is it all based on the relationship on on all those things can you kind of tell us about the early stages of the process and how involved you were able to be given that i'm guessing somebody else was paying the majority of the build out oh i mean we had majority control over design and function um, the only thing that <clears throat> was already kind of set before we came in, like they had already designed and started building the foundation of the hotel. Um, so the restaurant spaces were already divided out between kitchen and front of the house. I would have certainly made the kitchens a little bit bigger, but um, came a little bit late to the game. I've never met a chef who was like, my kitchen is <laughs> I just have a too kitchen. big. I can definitely <laughs> If you've ever seen the restaurants in South Philly, uh, the restaurant at Laurel is is 10 feet by 15 feet. Uh, <laughs> the restaurant at ITV is, I think, 14 feet by 12 feet. And the restaurant downstairs at the landing is, is also quite small. And, and you know, on a, on a Sunday, I think, I think we'll, we'll do like, 850 to 950 people oh, at wow. this little tiny kitchen with a six burner and a plancha and and those guys just crush it and it's amazing um a lot of organization um so you didn't get to pick the square footage what what others but everything there you had creative you know, rain so um when i first met don and started talking about this project i thought it was just definitely just going to be like a, a a consultation thing which i've done before like i'll come into a restaurant that is struggling and and uh, kind of fix the food a little bit, maybe hire a new chef, write a new menu, you know, and then kind of disappear. Um, and, and I've all done consulting as well, where I show up, um, I do all of the hiring, the training, um, the menu writing, get the place up and running, and then I kind of bounce. Um, but as we got further and further into this project, it was pretty apparent that, um, she wanted somebody that was going to be here for the long haul. Um, she wanted somebody to help with design and management of the restaurants. And that's when I kind of decided that the job was actually a little bit too big for me and I needed help. And um, I contacted a friend of mine named Fia Barisha. And um, we formed our own hospitality business. And we've been, uh, it's called Be Hospitality. Um, and we've been working on this project since. Uh, she comes from... Uh, elements in New Jersey, as well as uh, Mistral in Princeton and King of Prussia. She owned her own restaurant in Fishtown called Ether. Uh, we've been friends for a while, and uh, you know she does all the design and front of the housework, and I get to take care of the kitchen. Uh, so so far, so far, so good. It's worked out pretty well. And so, and so, the first venture together with the Bee Hospitality Group was the downstairs, the yeah, landing, the, the landing kitchen, yeah. 
Yeah. And that you opened, that one opened in March. Yes, ma'am. Awesome. Don't call me ma'am. I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. And so tell us a little bit. I saw, I was curious. I saw that you're, so you're opening tomorrow. You'll be open Wednesday through Saturday upstairs. Is that, tell us about that decision to open four nights a week. Is that a staffing thing? Is that you're just trying to figure it out? It was 100% a staffing thing. <laughs> um, you know, we actually started doing the same thing at Laurel in South Philadelphia. And I like it. We, push everybody really, really hard for four days a week. And then everybody gets a three day weekend and we have great teamwork. Um, everybody is really into it. Everybody has been like crushing it. The restaurant has been doing better than it's ever done. Um, no, not only in terms of food and service, but financially, um, I think, you know, we're making, we're making less money, but we're making a higher percentage of profit. And I think when we looked at it out here, we're like, all right, well, the staffing issue is what the staff you, staffing issue is. It's not like we're going to be able to dodge it. Everybody else is falling into that trap right now. So let's see what we can get and who we can get out here uh, and make a decision then. And we were like, all right, well, let's start it four days a week and see how it goes. And if we can get a bunch of people in here to work four days a week really hard and do well and make the numbers work, then we'll stick with it. If we can't, then we'll, we'll, we'll adjust. But right now, this is where we are. Are you fully staffed for tomorrow? I mean, by fully staffed, meaning <laughs> I get to work. Protein. Are you going to be there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so for the, because this is, Laurel's is a, is a much smaller restaurant from what I, from what I know, right? It's like a 20, some 20 seats, 21 20, seats? 22 seats. 22 seats. And this is quite a large operation, like 20, 250, right? Well, uh, ish. You know, we have about, 80, well, it depends on how you look at it. You have about 80-something seats in the dining room, 20 seats at the bar, 30 seats on the terrace, and then we have a private dining room that can do about 60 people. So, uh, you know, if we had all of our, everybody staffed and in place where they need to be, yeah, we could definitely do like 250, 300 people a night. But I think we're going to keep it at like 100, 120 right now until we can continue to ramp up. And the financially that works out for the restaurant and, and the partners and you guys are, that's like, it's okay. That's fine. That capacity. Yeah. We look at it as we, we are where we are right now. Let's at least get open and spend and make everything great. We're not going to over, over exert ourselves and over exert our staff and try to just cram a bunch of people in there and try to make, yeah. um, let's do it right. You know, and slowly build on that. It's interesting. I mean, I, I think people don't think about that the same way what you said about the profit margin is higher, even though you're bringing in less money, which is, I mean, I think it's really, it's an important way to look at it. You know, it's like if your margin is better, you're technically taking home more at the end of the yeah. day, even though your gross receipts are, are less. Um, I mean, so I, I do appreciate that. And what about, how's it been um, just like recruiting people to a new area that may not be as well known as like, you know, your area in South Philly, uh, in South Philly or Center City where people are are, normal, are used to going out to? Um, I, you know, we keep trying to harp on the idea that, you know, we're a five minute walk away from a, um, a SEPTA stop. We are you know, 20 minutes from Center City if you're driving. We have free parking. You don't have to drive around South Philadelphia to look for parking here, um, which is, you know, probably the, 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 the premier convenience for me right now. You know, I don't have to park at the Acme. The, um, 
you know, it, it's just it's it's just been difficult recruiting people all around. I think that we've kind of all we've all pulled strings to try to find people to come out here and, and, and be hand. And uh, once people get out, once we get people out here, I feel like we like trap them. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, oh wow, this is actually really cool, and this is really convenient, and this is very beautiful, and it's easy to work here, and it's actually quite fun. Um, you know, once we get them here, we're good. Getting them out here, that's the trouble. Yeah. And what about from like the diner perspective? Because it's obviously with um, the landing, it's like it's very visually there. You're like, like you said, people are walking down the park and they just see that they can grab, you know, avocado toast and chicken biscuits and whatnot. But for a seventh floor restaurant in an up and coming neighborhood, how are you guys getting the word out to diners? What are you, what's, what's the thoughts there? I mean, we work with Gia and Bailey. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> pretty, we work with Fox Gloves Communications, and they they talk to everybody. I mean, Philadelphia is a, a, a large town or a small city, however you want to consider it. Even though it's a gigantic landmass-wise city, like Center City proper is pretty tiny, and everybody knows everybody. And you know, I think we get we get the word out pretty quickly uh, when when things are happening. And, and Philadelphia consumer likes to think that they have their thumb on the pulse of everything that's going on food wise in the city. So, you know, uh, we, 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 we stay in, we stay in the presses. So pretty much. Tell us a little bit about, because it's your, I guess, technically your third restaurant, how, and, and you will be on the line tomorrow. How do you manage the, how do you manage your presence at, at these different spots? I, I would assume that, um, the landing is, you know, sort of smooth sailing. It's a little bit more of a casual menu, so it can probably operate a little bit more on its own. But but Laurel is is your baby, right? So yeah, how do I you mean, manage your presence in both spots? Hire really good people, train them, and tell them what you want them to do, and then leave them the fuck alone. Oh, sorry. You can curse. That's fine. It's okay. <laughs> we're not, we're and not. you have been able to do that because as we are talking about hiring and, and yeah, such. Yeah, I think Laurel... Um, We've changed our uh, payroll practices there. It's such it's it's this thing that we've been trying out, and it actually works really well. But it only works with a really small team, um, and we only have eleven employees there. So actually, everybody makes the same amount of money. Um, everybody makes ten dollars an hour plus tips. Um, so at the end of the week, cooks and servers and bartenders and runners, everybody kind of ends up making anywhere between thirty-five and forty-five dollars an hour. Um, so we don't really have a problem finding people to work there. And because like people in Philly kind of know that like if you're really good and you're really serious about food and service and, and working in a kind of intense restaurant for four days a week and having a three day weekend and making good money, you know, that's the place you go. Um, and I have a chef who works there who has been with me uh, off and on, I think, for six years. So he understands the expectations there. He understands what needs to happen and he understands like, uh, you know, what the food needs to be, what the service needs to be. We have spectacular front of the house there. Like really, really, really lucky with the front of the house right now there. Um, so I don't, it's not that I don't worry about it all the time. I am there almost every day, at least to walk through and taste stuff and say hi and make sure everything's okay. But yeah, right now I'm spending the bulk of my time out here. And is that how you foresee it, you know, as, as things grow and scale um, and you scale more restaurants, maybe it sounds like you have other plans down the line. You, just continuing to train people and get them in place. 
Yeah, the chef that we have out here now, Mike Millen, uh, he's technically in charge of both restaurants, Landing and the Lark. Um, he has a great background um, in Mediterranean and Italian food. He was a sous chef at a voce before coming to the city and working at Townsend and then opening his own restaurant called the Mano that got great reviews. And we actually work really well together. Um, it's one of those people you meet and he's such like a calming presence. It's just kind of like we clicked very, very quickly. Um, and yeah, right now it's about making sure we're on the same page with what we want out of this restaurant, what we want this restaurant be, to be, uh, how we want to train our staff and, and, and treat everybody and how we want to move forward. You know, I think if I give this uh, three to three to six really good months and really build the staff up here and really train hard, uh, you know, it'll be most likely on the next project. And so what, so tomorrow's the opening day ish. Well, I guess you guys technically op- had a soft opening last weekend. Yeah. We right? had a couple. Yeah. We had a couple. Couples up. Yeah. Well, tell us some of the, um, some of the learning experiences you garnered from your soft opening. You know, it's typical. Actually, this was probably the easiest, most organized opening I've ever been part of. Um, you know, we have people on staff here that actually really understand, um, the needs of, the guests and the needs of the business and we were in a really really good position training wise and food wise to be open uh you know the only thing is you know again so so the amount of staff we have isn't great the quality of the staff we have is is pretty spectacular um which i was very surprised about um you know so you know if i'd rather have four people in the kitchen who are all stars than 10 people in the kitchen who I have to babysit all the time. And, and that's where we are right now. So we're just going to have to slowly build on that. Um, but last week went really well, you know, best laid plans. You always think, you know what you're doing until you start doing it. And when it's in a kitchen, it's, it's like, it's little stuff like, Oh, my salt doesn't go there. It goes here. It's like, Oh, I got to move my pans this way. And my, my spoon bang can't go over here. It has to go over here. And why, you know, it's, 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 it's all funny thing. Um, I think we made a lot of good adjustments over the weekend, so I'm, I'm excited for tomorrow. Cool. Give us a, because um, we don't often get people the day before, give us a glimpse at your schedule for the next 24 hours. Um, <laughs> is it, I don't know. It's minute to minute. Yeah. I don't know. I have like 20 more things on my prep list that I have to get done <laughs> today before I have to meet with the general contractor and figure out how to fix the heat lamps and then for some reason there's a hole in the wall in the kitchen that they just never filled in that i'm probably just gonna have to do myself and then i want to take a sink out i need to build a new equipment stand uh reorganize some of the plates in dry storage because i don't like where some of the stuff is right now um hopefully at some point get home and have dinner with my wife and kids and then i actually took since we've been working so hard for the past three weeks straight, I actually took the past two days off and literally slept um, for two days in a row. And I haven't, <laughs> I haven't answered one email. And I know G and Bailey are pretty pissed at me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Opening week in the backlog of, hey, this person needs this quote and this person needs that. And I'm just like, you know what? I have stuff to do. So, and sleep to catch up on. Gotta take care of that sleep. That is like a real thing. We were just yeah. talking about this. Yeah, a little like, bit of a deficit right now. A little bit of a deficit between kids and new businesses. 
This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca, helping you to plan your next getaway. Ithaca has waterfalls and wineries, art and theater, outdoor recreation, and family fun. The area is famous for its glacier-carved gorges, co-op-run businesses, and cultural influences from Cornell University and Ithaca College. Plus, you can't beat the beauty of Cayuga Lake, the largest of the Finger Lakes. Beyond 150 waterfalls and some of the region's best hiking trails, Ithaca is cider. The area is well known for its local cideries, which are leading the way in America's cider revival. You can hear from the region's cider makers directly on HRN series Hardcore. There's something really special about Ithaca's climate for cultivating delicious apples steeped in history and terroir. Let Visit Ithaca help you plan your next trip to this hub of food, drink, culture, and agritourism. Home of New York's craft cider, I love New York. Get started at visitithaca.com. All right, let's lightning round. We uh, we do these questions with pretty much every guest that comes on the show. So, favorite menu item? Oi. Uh, probably the mushroom ravioli with foie gras hazelnut butter. Sounds good. Normally we say most ordered menu item, but that won't pertain here. What's your best uh, food cost item? You probably have that. Um, we make uh, we have smoked trout madeleines with seaweed butter and fermented black radishes. Uh, food cost on that I think is like thirteen percent, which is kind of nice, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> you just told you just told all of our listeners. It's often the labor that adds up in those dishes, so yeah. it balances out. Um, best, tell us your best business resource, and you know it can be something you used for for this restaurant, for the landing, or for Laurel, and that could be podcast. It can be a friend. It can be a book or a website or whatever. My best business resource. Oy. Um, we work with this new company. Um, HFA Bridge that does all of our business accounting, and it's one of those companies that we get real live, um, we get real time costs of our restaurant. So every morning I wake up, it's not only do I know what I what we made and lost the day before, but the entire week, the entire month, the entire year. So like every day I wake up and I know where the how the restaurants are doing, what position they're doing, and how they're doing for the rest of the week, which actually helps really well because we can go into a Friday and say. Hey, ordering's a little high this week. You got three hundred bucks to spend for the rest of the weekend, and it's like everybody falls in line pretty quickly. Same thing with booze and labor and stuff like that. It's kind of nice. Interesting. HFA Bridge. Bridge. Yep. And is it like a technology platform? Uh, no, it's it's my friend's accounting company that he started. Uh, he worked with another company called Citrum and Cooperman. Um, they kind of tag team this idea, and I think they have like one hundred and twenty restaurants signed on right now. Uh, oh, wow. It's just kind of cool real-time accounting for your restaurant. It's not the first time we've had somebody say, Mason said that down. I think we probably, too, right? at least once a season, we get a shout-out to an accountant. But yeah. this yeah. is the first time I've heard I've heard um, of, like, a firm doing real-time report. Like, I kind of want to sign up. <laughs> I'm like, I want to know our, like. Dude, the first two years of Laurel, I did the accounting myself. And I was like, this is stupid. Like, like on one, I'm not even good at it. And two, it takes up at least a full day of my week. Um, we had another accountant that did it for a while, and he was okay. He was just an accountant. And then these guys swooped in and um, 
showed us what they were about and what they were doing. And we've been with them for a while now. And it's just, it's invaluable, man, to know how, I mean, our margins are so thin. Like you need to know every day what you're doing. You can't wait till the end of the month to figure out like what's going on with your business or even the end of the week. You know, I know every single day what's happening and how we're doing and what we look like. And then you can compare it to, you know, the amount of reservations you have coming in for the rest of the week and you know where you're going to end up. So, And I think this in, in uh, echoing Mason's point of is what you said is having someone that knows restaurants that knows this business doing doing your accounting rather than someone that's that could be doing all types of accounting. I yeah. think it's very important because it is so unique and like you said, razor thin margins that need to be accounted for every day. Are yeah. they right. are they national or just in uh, or just local to Philly? It's a great question. Um, I believe they're just local to Philly, New Jersey right now. Citroen Cooperman. The accounting team that they work for is like all over the place. Um, they're a funny story. I think they they started off doing like rock bands in the seventies and then broke off like helping manage like I forget it was like some big in the seventies it would have been considered a big band I forget who it is now but then they started breaking off into doing small businesses and then doing restaurants and then they teamed up with HFA Bridge. Um, but it's, yeah, it's it's a Philadelphia based company and and they've just been kind of. I've, I've, I've introduced them to all of my chef friends in the city just because they help out so much. Well, don't be surprised if you get a few DMs from opening soon, listeners. I know. Um, I think I can <laughs> like a break or something. Like, I, <laughs> I know. You're, you're like, where is it? Where is my <laughs> a friend discount or something. <laughs> right, last question. Any, any, um, any anticipation, ex- excitement things for the weeks to come? Are you worried about or excited for reviews or people staying or whether you're busy or not? What's what's on your mind? What's what's uh, what's keeping you up when you're not sleeping two days in a row? Um, honestly, it's just supply chain issues. It's it's been brutal this past year. I'm sure you guys are very well aware. Oh, yeah. We know that. We know that. Just got told fabric won't be here until February. Woo! Exactly. (laughs) It's stuff like, okay, we picked out this silverware in May. You told us six weeks. It's the week before we're opening, and now you're telling us it's 10 more weeks. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Just be nice to your vendors, too. I know. I know they're (laughs) listening. I get it. I know. After a while, you know, it's like I know just everything. It's everything, though. It's like it's you know, we'll get, we'll get the same pickles for a month straight, and then they're like, "Hey, we don't have those anymore." Tough shit. And you're like, "Cool, cool." <laughs> that's that's the end of it. There's no arguing. There's just yeah. you know, we're we're in a strange time right now, and I think what we've all learned is that we kind of just have to keep rolling with the punches and doing what we can do. Just you know, even if it's even if it's ninety five percent right it's it's still going to be really good and our job is to just make people happy and make things tasty and not freak out about it even when it's like a, a you know multi med tasting course menus at laurel or a fried chicken sandwich at the landing it's like listen we're going to do everything we can do to just make things tasty and enjoy our job and move on with our lives like try not to get freaked out about it I mean, I think 90% right is like, that's like a pandemic right for 100%. That's oh, absolutely. That's what I'm going to say moving forward. We keep calling it COVID cover. COVID yeah. cover. Yeah. I like it. Um, awesome. All right. Opening soon announcements. Obviously, you guys are opening tomorrow, which is very, very exciting. Any other friends or places you've been recently you want to shout out? 
I wish. I wish. You've been sleeping, yeah. <laughs> You've been working and then sleeping. No, my friend Kevin opened a new restaurant in Fishtown called Yanaga, which is really great. Um, I, it's nice seeing all the rest of the restaurants come back online in Philadelphia. You know, not all the restaurants are coming back, but the ones that are coming back are usually the ones that are like, you know, good restaurants with good people running them. You know, like a lot of the restaurants that closed are restaurants that, you know, a lot of the employees didn't want to go back there. It's like, well, we can't open. We have a short, a staffing shortage. It's like, oh, it should have been nice to your staff. Um, right. But I think that we're just excited to keep, keep cooking and keep slowly climbing out of this um, pandemic and getting people back out and eating again. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, we know you still have 20 things on your punch list, so we will let you get back to it. Thank you for joining us the day before your opening, official opening, um, and congratulations. Can't wait to check it out. Thanks. And tell us where everybody can find you on social and your restaurants. Um, on social, it is Nicholas Almi on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter or Facebook anymore. Um, and then we have Laurel EPX, Lark.pa, uh, The Landing Kitchen. Uh, cool. And we are at, we are opening soon and at Till at NYC. Thanks again, Nick, uh, and good luck. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Opening soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You could also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.